sort of interesting tonight. I want to share a really short little word with you, and then we're going to get into some prophetic ministry. And I promise you, you know, a lot of times when I say it's not going to be long, it turns into be an hour and a half thing. But I promise you tonight it's not going to be that way because something happened today on the way over here, and I haven't had time to, to, to mull on it, but it just, it just really lodged in my spirit. And there's something here I want to share with you. I think it's, um, I think it's relevant to uh, you, where you are, most of you anyway. Uh, it, sort of, it will help you come to grips with some stuff, but it's also going to help us in this house be able to build on what's been given to us already. <laughs> we were coming over here, and it's a what's hundred miles, Janie, one way basically from Fitzgerald to uh, Jessup. Now, not quite in the center of that, but sort of off center in that whole hundred miles is a little is Coffee County, Georgia, Douglas and Ambrose. Now, as we were going through, probably the eastern side of Coffee County, something caught Janie's eye. There's this little church out sort of in the Flatwoods, okay? And she noticed it. We drive past it all the time. And then probably no more than, I want to be right, maybe a quarter to a half mile, a mile down the road, there was another church of the same denomination. Now, this denomination, this group of churches, um, their, their headquarters is kind of Coffee County. And when you go 25 miles on either side of where their headquarters happens to be, they're almost non-existent. The furthest one north I know of is in Fitzgerald. The furthest one east is um, well, basically the Coffee County borders, actually. But anyway, she made a comment, and, and this is no disrespect, okay, but it, it, it set off something in me that I think it, it, God's... God used her to, to, to pop me on the inside. And it was, to the, it, was to the, it was sort of a strange thing to see in the middle of nowhere two little churches of the same denomination. You'd think, well, why don't they all go to one? But there were actually two. Now, we don't know why there was two there. Okay? We could guess. But for some reason, there's two very, very close together. And using that sort of visual imagery, my mind went to this place. Now, back when America started, there was only one Baptist church in America. Did y'all know that? Only one in Philadelphia, from that one Baptist church sprang hundreds and thousands of different kinds of Baptist churches, literally. Uh, it was called the Welch Tract Church in England. They sent it over here. It was actually a spirit-filled Baptist church. The first Baptist church in America was a spirit-filled Baptist church. They believed and practiced all the gifts. Isn't that, isn't that cool? And I'll tell you the rest of the history some other time, but what happened was this, is that things were going along real good, and then there was a split. That's probably happened in Pentecostal circles too, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. 
and Presbyterian circles and Methodist circles. And so then there was a split again. And another split. And another split. And another split. And splitting became splintering. Okay? Now, one of the um, conclusions we can come to is that people in churches don't love each other enough. Is that, would that kind of be a conclusion we could draw? One of the conclusions, not all, but just one? Most every single person in here has got battle scars and stripes from run-ins and situations that you've had in various churches. And many of us, when we have left and or been run out of churches or suffered hurt, uh, we have just, it's, it's hurt, it, it, down on the inside, it, it's a wound that just, man, it's just, it's bad. And usually, whether we verbalize it or not, we usually connect being hurt in church, and church splits and all that kind of stuff, as, as people, the believers, having a lack of love. But you know what I got to thinking today, on the way back over here? That can be part of the problem. There can be a lack of love. People don't, we know we don't love each other like we should. But we're learning. We're making an honest effort. But you know what I thought? Here's what I thought. Most people who have Jesus in them love people. I'm telling you the truth. But some of the people who have hurt me the worst, they love me. And I love them. Maybe that's what hurts so bad, you know. People that you love hurt you so bad. Maybe that's why it hurts. But most people who are believers genuinely love other believers, and they love other people too. And so I kind of got to thinking about this. Maybe, maybe the pain and the hurt we suffer and that we endure in terms of our church experience, if that's the way you want to say it, maybe, just maybe, it's not really because of a lack of love. It might be because there's a lack of other things. Think about that. And so I did a little word search here. And I'm just going to read you, I'm just going to scan down these things and Kind of leave it where it falls, okay? John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. That's, that's the one distinguishing mark that the world knows that we're genuine and that we are disciples of Jesus is if or that we love each other. Okay? Romans twelve ten. Be kindly affectioned one to another, with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Here's what I believe. You can slice it any way you want to and it's still bread. I believe most of the, the hurt that we have experienced, maybe not only in churches but in a lot of other facets of life, is the fact that we have failed to prefer one another over self. I think that in many cases, when it comes down to engaging other people, working in churches, being on the job, family at home, 
most of the time we hurt each other because we do not defer to each other. We have too much pride, too much ego. There's a lack of humility. We want our way right now, this way, or else. And when it comes right down to it, we fail to prefer one another. And we interpret that as being, there's just a lack of love. May not be a lack of love, might just be a lack of preferring one another. Something else, it may just be related. Galatians six, Galatians 5.13, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not that liberty as an occasion to the flesh. See? We've been called to liberty, but just because we have liberty, we don't need to let our flesh rise up and take advantage of a brother or a sister with whom we're in relationship with or we're joined with in Jesus. Did you know believers, people who've been saved, could get in the flesh in a hurry? Did you know spirit-filled people can get in the flesh in a hurry? Did you know pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, did you know they can get in the flesh in a hurry? (laughs) You can get in the flesh in a hurry and it be interpreted as, you just don't love me. I don't even think you like me anymore. Has it all been a lie? You see? Let's go a little further here. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you. Here's a novel idea. Because we're born again, because we have the Spirit of Jesus living in us, the Lord can cause us to abound in love. Now, really, when you come down to the, to the actual, to the, the workings of the Greek there, it's not, a, it's not a question, it's not a statement of questions. The Lord can. It's more like the Lord does. Because as the maturing process works in our life, the Lord makes us love each other more. The way this thing should work is, the more we're around each other, the more we love each other. And the more we trust each other. And the more we bless each other. And that should be so strong in our life that it should cause us to want to be together more and more and more and more, rather than less and less and less and less. But the Lord causes us to grow in love to each other. 1 Thessalonians 4.9 But as touching brotherly love, you don't need that I write you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. So not only does He cause us to increase, He teaches us. Now boy, there's a schoolyard... How does He teach us to love one another? (laughs) 
There it is. He gives us, say that again. He gives us opportunity with unlovely people. And he teaches us, therefore, how to love each other. You know, you've heard me say this sometimes before. You know, there was at one point in time when a lot of us in here may not have even liked each other, especially if we had met outside the context of church because we're so different from each other. But when you put Christ in the mix and the bond is established and spirit reaches to spirit and spirit draws to spirit, then the teaching process of God can come into play. And as we interact with each other, when, okay, (laughs) there's a scripture in the Bible that says iron sharpens iron. You know what happens when two irons come together? Sparks fly. There's friction. There's heat. There's tension. And so Jesus, when he puts us all in his body, and we begin to really spend time with each other and get to know each other and begin to draw out each other's opinions about various different things. Boy, you can run up against folks who don't really believe like you do, think like you do, worship like you do. And those irons begin to clash together. And that's part of God's teaching process. Sometimes it gets even a little bit uncomfortable. But the friction comes not because we don't love each other, but because we have differences that need to be overcome. Do you see where I'm going here? Hebrews 10.24 And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. It doesn't say let's compete with each other, but let's consider each other. Uh, me and Jim, we consider each other. And I look at him, and I see his capacities in the body. I, see his, I, I can sense his giftings and anointings. And, I, and, I, and it should be, my, should be my job and my responsibility to extend myself to him with whatever I am to promote him, to consider him, to, to, to do his ministry or his calling with, with the best he can possibly be, with a degree of excellence and a degree of of um, urgency and a degree of whatever good and honorable is, I should do that. And he should do the same thing with me. We should consider each other and provoke one another in a good way. The problem is, a lot of times we provoke each other the wrong way. Now, not me and Jim, of course. But we provoke each other. And it's not because we don't love each other but it's simply because we don't do what we should be doing in another area that we could misinterpret as a lack of love. 1 John 4.11 If God loved us, we ought to love one another. It is just that simple. I don't need to give you another reason why you should love me. I don't need to give you another reason why I should love you. The simple fact of the matter is, is because God loved us, we ought to love each other. And so tonight I've said all that to say this. Think about where you've been, what you've endured, 
what you've had to put up with. Think about the pain you've suffered now. I really hope, there, I hope, I hope there's somebody here who's never done that before. But listen to me. Do not mistake a lack of love on somebody else's part or, or what you interpret as a lack of love. Sometimes you need to look just a little deeper. You know what I found out? I'm just going to share this. This is in the Paul Harvey department. In the past, a lot of people who've hurt me and whom I've hurt, a couple years down the road, run into them at Walmart or Zaxby's. Maybe five years down the road in Savannah on River Street, bump into somebody. And once you get over the shock of that, you begin to engage somebody in conversation. Maybe even out of necessity. You know, God will bump you back into people who hurt you just to see how, how you're doing with it. Okay? Just to see how you're doing with it. It's like Jesus says, hello. Welcome to my world. And so once you get beyond the uncomfortableness... There's still a sense that you can connect on some level with this person in a non-hostile way. Has anybody ever experienced that? I want to see, am I by myself? Some of us have. Okay, now we're getting down to real life. That's the goodness and mercy of God. And what I want to say tonight is this, is that God still loves you. And God still loves me. And we're in the body together and we still love each other. But we got some other stuff that needs to be worked out. And the other stuff that needs to be worked out, that's what trips us up a lot of times. It's not necessarily because of the lack of love. It's because we have differences. We're, we're, we're human. We've been hurt. We may react to situations out of our woundedness and our pain. But it's not God's fault because he has not loved us enough. And it's not because the theology of love in the Bible is wrong. It's right. So that's where we are. That's where you are at and that's where I'm at. And we need to always remember that if we genuinely love each other, we need to remember what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, love never fails. Love never fails. You know what I've learned? I've learned I can't stay mad at people very long. I I, I can't stay mad at people very long. Sometimes I'd like to. But I can't stay mad at people very long. And just as a personal testimony, the older I get, the shorter the time frame is. And it's not because I'm such a good person. It's because Jesus has loved me with a quality and a quantity that absolutely overwhelms me. Now, that's where, that's where we have to be in our relationship with each other. The quality and the quantity of love has got to be so great. I can stand up here right now and tell you, I love you more than you know. And I know you love me. 
And listen to what I'm saying. Beyond our expression of love to each other, the, the church, the body of Christ, from this point until Jesus comes again, is going to be put to the test hotter than she's ever been put before in all these extenuating things on the edges. Respond well to it. Don't become offended. If, if, if you feel like a separation is causing or if you feel like there's a pain being in, imposed on you from another person or, or the enemy, if, 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 if he's trying to offend some, if, if, if the enemy's trying to offend you directly or through somebody else, just stop. Stop. And go to wherever the source is and say, hey, look, you know, I'm hurting here. This is not the way it's supposed to work. Let's, you know, let's, let's work this thing out. And so that's the way it's supposed to go. But anyway, I'm not going to have an altar call on that. I just, I just felt like when, when Janie mentioned, when she observed today that, I, I just got to thinking that, you know, sometimes it's from stuff that we don't even recognize causes us the most trouble.